0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of Arena Alums. I am Daniel Massa, joined as always by Thomas Vonderhaar and Bobby Jagelski. We are coming to you after a two and zero week for the Flyers. I think we're all feeling very good, uh, at least just in this last week about where the team is. It's been a, an up-and-down season for sure so far, so we're trying not to get too high. Um, I think that's going to be one of the themes of today's episode, is kind of trying to figure out where this team really is heading into kind of the final stretch of the season. As February 1st hits tomorrow, March is going to be here before we know it, and uh, this next stretch of games is kind of going to determine whether March is even going to matter <laughs> for for the Flyers as a whole. Um NCAA tournament or bust for me, to be honest. Especially this year, I don't want to. I don't want to be wasting any time cheering in the NIT when, when we've all gone through this crap year. So, um, holding out a little hope for the Flyers here as we get into February. But first, obviously, got a couple big wins to, to get through here. The first being against Slu on the road on Tuesday. Uh, it was a 76-71 to 71 win, wire-to-wire win, basically. It, it was tied a couple times, including pretty late in the second half, but then the Flyers were able to, to pull away again, keep them within arm's reach for that five-point victory. Um, guys, I know a lot was made of SLU's uh, layoff, obviously. It was their first game uh, since December 31st, I believe. or No, December 23rd, so even even longer than that um so i guess it's kind of a built-in excuse for them that they were rusty uh but honestly i didn't really see it in, in slew i just thought dayton just kind of outplayed them pretty much the whole game um but that it wasn't necessarily any any rust on Slu on their part it's just just a really well-played game for the flyers for the most part um what did you guys see
1: yeah, I'm gonna slightly disagree with you there, D. Just, just, you know, just to dish it back a little bit, but I, I think you're right. I think in the grand scheme of things, slew. Certainly, you know, you know they had all their guys available, and I mean Hassan French is a beast down low. Perkins had twenty, and he's been averaging eighteen, so he kind of got back to his number. Um, I thought Goodwin, I thought he was a little off a, a little bit, but I mean no one's no one on your team of all your players are going to be on every night. Um, but I did think they did kind of show some rust on the offensive end a little bit. They're really big on defense, and and they can kind of impose their will on that side. And I thought we handled that so much better than the VCU game. And they're not, you know, they're not the havoc, you know, that VCU brings, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, those guys, I mean, they can throw around some weight. I mean, they got some big dudes and they got some big guards and uh, they can really kind of impose their will with with just their size, their sheer size, because, you know, we're not overly aside from Jordy, we're not a really a big team. You know, even Amzil, they got him listed at 6'9", 6'10". He doesn't really play that way. He's kind of more of a three to me, you know. So um, so I really did think that where you maybe saw a little bit of rust on Slu was kind of on the offensive side and in really, you know, three-point shooting. And not that I, you know, think that they're traditionally a good three point shooting team, but they were only three of 13. And I think, you know, just missing a lot of those shots and getting us out in transition, you know, kind of really, uh, you know, flipped, flipped it, flipped the script, I guess, a little bit uh, for us to kind of get out in transition and, and they're missing some shots and because to be honest with you, if you saw the ball go down to Hassan French or you saw them drive, they were getting layups pretty efficiently and pretty easily. I think Hassan French was six of eight from the floor. He had about 16 points and Perkins wasn't much of a shooter himself and he was getting in the paint and getting some easy buckets. So maybe just if they had some of those threes fall earlier for them, maybe the confidence, you know, to you knock those some of those down would have changed the, the complexion of the game a little bit, would have maybe had them in it, because I think we led pretty much the whole game.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll just throw one kind of bit of rose-colored glasses at you, but I'm just going to choose to believe that it was our defense that made them shoot 3 of 13 from 3 and and not rust, but
2: I'll, I'll it'll, it's a little bit of both, I'm sure. I'm a little That's where I come in. I think I'm a little bit in between you guys on this. Um I think I wanted to think that St. Louis is going to come in with some rust, but St. Louis is as Thomas mentioned, a team that historically is more physical in uh, us. And I think if we remember last year, this was one of the games that gave uh, the great Dayton team of 2019, 2020 uh, a, a decent matchup in their conference play. So that was something that I thought uh, I was watching for. And I thought we did really well for it. I thought we responded to their physicality well. And uh, we got out to the early lead in the first 10 minutes. We were up 17 to 12. They kind of battled back. I think they knocked a little bit of that rust off, but we were able to uh, weather it and uh pull out the win. So I would like I said I think I'm a little between you guys there. I think uh I was I think they had a little bit of rust, but I think we also came to play this year against them after uh the game against VCU.
0: Yeah, and that's really what I was looking for. Uh I mean, obviously I was hoping for a win from the start, uh but I really just wanted to see them kind of get off the mat after that embarrassing performance at VCU and they definitely did and then just to get a win on top of that was was even better. Um, and then especially just kind of how they did it where we mentioned already, they basically led wire to wire. Um, they did, like I said, they did tie it up with around five minutes left. And I, to be honest, I was pretty worried, thought we were just going to kind of keep giving it away and let them take the lead and just kind of run away with it. But we responded right back and, and got some key buckets, um, and just kind of showed that Hopefully that VCU game was just more of an aberration than anything. It definitely it did show our struggles with pressure, which we've been talking about all year. Um, and obviously VCU is going to be your toughest test with with defensive pressure that you're going to see all season. You, you basically know that going into every season. Um, so obviously a bad matchup, and SLU was was a better matchup. And it's kind of in the theme of this year for me, one of them. is, And it might sound too obvious, but it's, it's a lot of matchup based outcomes I feel like where you know if we're playing a team that's just not as used to really getting up into teams on defense and we can get comfortable we can we can outscore most teams
1: definitely and uh you know one thing that stuck out to me too is we talk about pressure and not handling well there were a number of opportunities down the stretch where they went full court press in that in those last few minutes like when they were really fouling us and they had like two, three, four, maybe opportunities where they had us trapped, and yeah. we were we were done. We were done for, and they fouled us. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Like we were going to turn it over, or you're we going to have to call a timeout, and we were limited on timeouts at that point. And I was just shocked because there were a number of opportunities where it was getting tighter. The game was getting closer, and they were trying to extend the game so they could, you know, give themselves more possessions. And uh, while we were knocking down free throws thank god uh i mean there were there were a number of scary points where i was like man they just bailed us out there like and they were fouling i mean i don't know why i i thought it was just kind of poor coaching like hey if we got them trapped just just sit there cuz guess what when you trap when you trap a guy in the corner it's not, you're not technically supposed to be the two guys to steal the ball it's supposed to be the pass that goes across court or to the middle and that third guy just intercepts it so for some reason they were just being over overly aggressive, uh, in those traps. And, uh, thank goodness that, that definitely helped us out because that was, that was nerve wracking, uh, going down the stretch there. But one thing I got to give credit to our team, um, is we've looked at, you know, this whole entire season. And when we have played in these bigger games against bigger teams, you know, the VCU um, slew was, uh, this is obviously a difference from these other games, but VCU, Mississippi state, old miss kind of going back to some of those games, we've gotten off to just really slow starts. And, this was one where, you know, like you said, we went, we went basically wire to wire on this one. And it was because we got off to such a great start. And yes, it had to do with us just shooting the three so well uh, in those first like three minutes of the game. I think we were like four or six from three. I mean, right off the, right off the get go. And I, one sticks out to me. uh, There's like two that stick out to me. First possession of the game, Crutcher comes off a screen. I mean, it's catch. He's almost like fading away, knocks it down, no problem. And then there was another one where they threw it to Ibby in the corner, shot clock was winding down, and he kind of has a rainbow jumper anyway, but this thing was like sky high. I mean, I don't even know how this thing went in. It was just a rainbow and it went in, and I was like, man, like if this is the way this night's gonna go, if we're gonna get off to a hot start, that's huge for just confidence early on, and it, you know, kind of reflected in the game, like even when they caught up to us, we just kept the offensive momentum going. So that was huge.
0: Yeah, two great points. I I totally agree. It was it was kind of a strange ending or even strange last three or four minutes, like you said, where some things could have gone differently and maybe maybe we're talking about a different outcome because they really did. I, I was kind of disappointed in how we handled the press for the most part because, uh, like you said, we were getting in some pretty bad situations, but getting bailed out. And that kind of makes me think of back to the um, so George Mason where they had us trapped a couple times and we got bailed out maybe by that, that weak foul call that got their coach uh, ejected. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been some situations this year where we have not handled pressure both full court and in the, in the half court, um, maybe like we should, but no harm, no foul, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, that start, yeah, was definitely a sight for sore eyes. I feel like for the whole fan base, especially after the VCU game, um, just to see us come out, hit some shots. They weren't easy ones. Like you said, that, that Crutcher three to start out was was a big shot off a set play, which I really liked. You know, y'all, you hear kind of about if your coach is not trying to drop a set play like on your first possession of the game, first possession of a half. You know, obviously, out of timeouts, like there's something wrong because you know you, you should have the time to plan out a really good set to get a good shot. And it, it was good to see that that Grant did that to open the game right up and get us going on the right foot.
2: Yep. The only thing I want to add uh, to the end of this was that. Uh, as we went down the stretch, I feel like Crutcher and Ibby, arguably your two uh, biggest names on the team, your, your go-to guys, stepped up. I felt like uh, one of the th- shots that still is in my mind is about 7.30 left in the second half. Ibby catches that three-point three line, pump fakes, takes like two steps in, and just throws up this floater that it, it just looks like it's going to go over the back of the hoop just drops right in and I'm just it, it, you know it's just in my mind I'm like what is that who who has that shot and so he I love it work yeah oh it was great and <laughs> then uh it was amazing and then uh, about about right under four minutes left Crusher hit a huge three and it was just the, you know hand in his face and it's just like their ability to step up in those moments you know I think there was a couple games earlier this season that I I questioned where that leadership was but to see it step up in this game and this Big moment uh, was huge. And I think that that goes a long way uh, for this team's confidence moving forward.
1: Yeah. yeah. And to kind of piggyback off that, if you don't mind me, Danny, um, I think you made a great point there with just Ibby and Crutcher. We've been looking at this team and we've been talking about, we talked about Jalen struggles early on and like what is going to be the identity of this team. And, you know, last year it was really versatile. Everyone trusted everybody. You know, we got a superstar talent and OB. We got a you know, a great—you could call him a superstar talent in in Crutcher, and then you had all these great pieces around, all these glue guys, and they—they uh, they were all, you know, really comfortable in those roles. And this year, it's—you know—with with just being a little bit younger off the bench and and not having that versatile big man, it just with Chase leaving again, it's what what is our identity? And I think we all knew what it was going to be. It's going to be—you know—our guard play has to be just that much better, and. You, you, you saw it and in, in, you've seen it a lot in these wins that we've had this year um, with Ibby and Crutcher. I mean, I, they combined for 45 of our 76 points in that game. That is, oh, that's over half. I mean, it's, you know, but that's what, that's what we have to do. That's what, if this team is going to win, those guys got to be the, got to, got to do that. That's just what it's got to be. That's end of story. That has to happen. And that's our identity. These guys got to score. These guys got to find ways to get buckets and get each other involved and get each other good looks. And, and that's, that's key. And I, and I had another takeaway, um, in addition just to it being Crutcher, um, is, I've been hating on this kid a lot, just because I think he's he's a little raw, and and I don't know if I'm buying him all the way. But you know what? He played a great game for us. It was Zimmy. Um, Is it Wokeji? Is that how you say his last name? The 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 end silent, right? I I,
0: maybe I think I've heard. Yeah, Yeah, Wokeji.
1: Wokeji. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he played
0: great. He played great.
1: He didn't shoot a ton of shots. He had I think he maybe had six shots that game. He made half of them. He had nine points. But I mean, there was even like something where like that stuck out to me is down the stretch when we needed to grab a board. I mean, those guys are big physical dudes and he went and grabbed one big time and got, got fouled. And I was like, that a boy, like that's the attitude you got to have. You got to play with that fire, you know, go get, go get that ball. And he's got a lot of length. And he certainly shows, you know, flashes of the skill. And it certainly made up for it that game because Amzil was a little down.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Amzo up to about, Ten minutes into the first half last night, I mean, I was thinking Amzil had hit more more than a freshman wall, but like, he he's just looked pretty bad the last few games. But then he he turned it on last night. We'll get into that later. But yeah, totally agree that Zimmy kind of helped uh, mask some of those issues against Slu. He had a really good. Um, spin move i remember down low like their point guard got switched on to him yep. and i feel like early on in the season or even just a couple of games ago he still wouldn't have known how to handle it really because he he would have been expecting a bigger guy but then once he realizes the point guards on him he like kind of might freeze because it's like almost too easy but he just he took it all in one motion i mean a nice spin move and, and hit this off the soft layup so we're definitely seeing some growth from him um credit to the staff credit to him for sticking with it and kind of uncovering more of that, of that talent and that performance. Cause like you said, we've, we've been able to see it from the start. That's why he was able to, you know, to first commit to a team like Florida state. Um, And, and yeah, I'm just hoping we keep seeing more and more out of
2: him. Yep. Uh, just echoing what you guys said, uh, Zimmy was my, uh, was my X factor for this season for all those listeners that have of course listened all the way up to this point, would know that I picked him. And uh, they would also know that I kind of backed off that a couple games ago because he just, he he was not getting minutes. He wasn't contributing. Uh, but I think, as you guys both said, the more minutes he gets, the more comfortable he looks. Um, and he was big, as Thomas mentioned. You know, I have him written down, getting two defensive rebounds, two offensive rebounds for us. Huge, just something that we've struggled with him being able to help uh, get a little bit more there. He looked a little outmuscled against St. Louis, but once again, he is a red shirt freshman. He'll he'll be able to develop. But the fact that he's got that fearlessness to get in there uh, and try to get those rebounds and still helping the offense, uh, helping the team, uh, even with some offensive mistakes, I think just shows how much confidence this team has in him that he's not hanging his head. He knows the coaches have his back in that moment. That's huge.
1: Definitely. I think my final takeaway, boys, is five and zero when we score 70 plus points. We've talked about how we always kind of seem to hang in there in, in the 60s. And, uh, you know, I was looking through kind of just our games and what wins and how many points we've scored. And uh, I saw if we score 70 plus points, we're 5-0. So if we can, it shows that we're a little bit offensively challenged. But at the same time, we have the ability to break out and have those games. And, and when we do, 5-0, uh, and 0, that's, that sounds pretty good to me.
0: Thomas coming with the stats. That's our stat of the day right there, I think. That's right. Well,
1: Bob, Bobby, Bobby <laughs> showed me up early in our in our podcast season here. So, uh right. so I needed to up my game. So, you know, throwing <laughs> that at you.
0: One last thing I wanted to bring up from this game uh is Elijah Weaver. I thought he had a, a pretty solid game against SLU, Um finished with 12 points, played the third most minutes also um from the starting spot, which uh, and it was 36 minutes. So, I mean, that's that's quite a lot for a guy still kind of trying to to find his way, I think. Ibby uh, and Crutcher both played all 40, which, again, I feel like at the end of the season when we keep doing this, we're going to look back. I know they mentioned either against Slough or Rhode Island that they're both top five in minutes played. Um, definitely don't see that changing. That's just what they're going to have to do. But they're <laughs> they're going to be tired at the end of this season for good reason. But um, So just something I definitely don't want to forget as we keep going along, just how how much they're playing and not taking any rest and still being really effective. Um, but back, back to Weaver, I just thought he always provided that ability to really get into the teeth of the defense and usually made the right decisions. Um, he did only have one assist and two turnovers, so might not have always worked out uh, how he wanted to, but just to show off that ability I think is really important to keep defenses honest. He got to the free throw line 10 times, only made six. So I think with him, (laughs) we're going to just kind of keep learning to um, take the good with the bad a little bit. And hopefully more good will be coming because I think he is showing that he's getting comfortable. He's understanding his role. He's shooting from three a little too much still for my liking (laughs) without really showing that he can make it. Um, But other than that, I I thought he he really – provided a a pretty good spark from that third guard spot.
1: Definitely, and and Danny, just to add on to that really quick is – for Weaver, he doesn't have to be that big stat guy, right? He doesn't have to do what Crutcher and Ab does. He doesn't have to go get twenty five on a given night, but he just has to pick and choose his spots, and he's got to be effective when when he does have those opportunities. And uh, you know they clearly trust him bringing the ball up the floor, which is great because that just gets Jalen off ball, maybe run off the, some of those screens, and kind of getting some flow going on offense. But but overall, you know, maybe in the future we're gonna we're gonna expect more from him, and we're gonna need more from him, and we're gonna need him to develop a, a three point jumper for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, he doesn't have to be that guy this year. He just has to be effective in, at points in time. And, and and I think he's doing a decent job of that. So,
2: Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think uh, he seems to be settling in well. I agree with Danny. I think his three-point shooting uh, still needs some work. Um, but like Thomas said, you that's not his role. And I think he's figuring that out. Um, you still got to be a threat. I don't think he's showing he's a threat right now. But that's all right. Yeah. Um, I think he'll settle in. Like Thomas said, he's still getting his bearings on this. I think next year he may have a bigger role, but right now I think he's fitting into that slot very well, getting into the defense, uh, had some good rebounds against uh, against St. Louis and settling into that. And I just want to point out, uh, Danny, I looked it up after you mentioned it. Jalen is currently second in the country in minutes played, and uh, Ibby is seventh. So A lot of usage.
0: A lot of yeah. usage for those guys.
2: Yeah, Got to use it.
0: Exactly. Let's keep it going. Um, yeah. So once again, it was a seventy-six to seventy-one win for the Flyers over St. Louis that moved them to nine and four on the season and five and three in conference play before heading back to U.D. Arena to face Rhode Island uh, just yesterday, which was a sixty-seven to fifty-six win for the Flyers. Um, kind of your prototypical tail of two halves situation. In this game, it was a three-point deficit at halftime for Dayton. And then they opened the second half on a 13-0 run. It was a 15-0 run dating back to the end of the first half, if you want to take it that far. Um, so really good good sign, I think, that they could flip that switch. Um, I honestly couldn't really tell you what kind of adjustments might have been made because I didn't necessarily see anything stylistically that, that really jumped out. Um, which is it's just kind of a weird game, to be honest, because I was I was a little worried after that first half that Rhode Island just kind of seemed to have a lot of guys, first of all. I think they had like nine guys play at least 15 minutes. Um, so they're just throwing a lot of bodies at us, really interchangeable, versatile guys. Um, but we were able to just kind of get into a flow, I guess, to start the half and maybe got a little lucky with, with a couple misses from Rhode Island that they should have made that might have stemmed the tide a little bit. but really we're just able to ride that wave basically throughout the rest of the game.
2: Yeah. uh, I agree. I think the first half, uh, from what I noticed, the physicality was something that kind of seemed to throw us off a little bit, kind of like you said, Um, it's kind of hard to put your finger on it. It just seemed like they were more physical, more active, more aggressive, however you want to phrase it in that first half. And we were kind of able to adjust to that a little bit better in the, in the second half. Um, and then one of the things I took away from this game was really uh we talked about Ibby and Jalen and how they worked so hard in the in the previous game, the St. Louis game. Um I really liked seeing in this game that Jordy and uh Amziel showed up a little bit more, uh both having eleven points. Um Amziel with seven rebounds, Jordy with eight. Just seeing those guys be able to step up since uh they kind of said that I heard the announcers keep saying that Jalen was off last night, but he still finished with 15 points, uh, five of eight shooting. I mean, his three point shot was off. He was only one for six, but it's just funny to me how many guys, you know, that are having an off day and they still have 15 points, you know? So, uh, but I, I, I enjoyed seeing the front court, be able to step up and be more active in that game than what we had seen. I know earlier in the season where, or I had not want to speak for you guys, but um, there was a game where Jordy didn't have any shots in the game and, uh, six eleven. You, know, you got to think you got to get the guy a shot. So it was good to see him get some more shots and be effective with the shots he did get.
1: Yeah, I think huge there, Bobby. You got if, if Jordy's gonna you know shoot these shots, you got to be efficient, you know. And uh, you know I was kind of frustrated with him in that St. Louis game because I mean there were a couple opportunities where you know he missed a layup. He actually got the rebound back and he actually had an easy putback. There was a guy who actually like fell and then he shot it with the right and missed it. And I'm just like, oh man, like we need those buckets, especially when you're playing away. So. Uh, you know, George is just one of those guys for me where I, I mean, I think he is what he is. He's you know, a, I think he's a great what you would call clubhouse guy. I mean, coaches rant and rave about him. He's great in the pressers. And, you know, I, I certainly don't like, you know, talking negatively about this guy because he he seems great. He seems like a great dude. Um, and, you know, he, and he still has the ability to impact us, you know, and, and and he does get a lot of rebounds. And he's definitely a good piece from that standpoint. But just just. A little inconsistent at times and and uh in key moments sometimes he's huge and in other key moments he's not so um but you're right I mean like you said just great to see him kind of he had one point against St. Louis and he had 11 the other night and that's big if he can go get us you know eight points in a game that's huge that, that's huge for us um kind of going off your Ibby Crutcher thing I know they like you said they said Crutcher was off but I mean if you look at Ibby and Crutcher Together, 37 of our 67 points, very similar to, uh, you know, the slew game over half. So they're carrying the load. So good to see. Um, And and the reason why I point to that is I kind of did some digging on some more stats, not to throw more of this at you. But in our last three losses, in our last three losses, and Crutcher, I'll be honest with you, has, has really played well since probably the fifth or sixth game. So, I mean, he's been very consistent. He's been our guy. I know Danny's kind of shaking his head, and eh, maybe maybe some inconsistency here or there. But, I mean, primarily he's been our guy, and he's been able to carry the load. But in the, our last three losses this year, Ibby was two of ten with five points, three of nine with seven points, three of ten shooting with nine points. So... It just goes to show when he can really contribute and add that extra dynamic piece, you know, to what Crutcher's doing. I mean, that, that's that's huge, and I would almost call that X factor. I know we've always argued about that in the past, like who is the X factor. And, uh, you know, to me, he seems like it because when he's off, we lose. And when he's on, we seem to be at least in every game, if not winning these games. So, um, that's definitely something that stuck out. We've kind of touched on, on Amzil and, and, uh, Jordy kind of, you know, getting those points. It seemed like Zimmy was a little bit maybe off yesterday offensively, but just having that third option to go get you, you know, 11 to 15 points is, is huge. We need that on top of what Crutcher and Ibby are bringing to the table and, um, and to be honest with you, just watching Rodney, I mean, they're always tough. It doesn't matter what their record is. They could be 0-10. They could be 10-0. and 0. They just always seem to be a team that, you know, can match up with us. And it uh, doesn't matter the talent. Uh, you know, they got off to a quick start on us. I was kind of frustrated. We were down 25-16 with about five, six, seven minutes left in that first half. And it was, I was just, it was, I was grateful to watch us respond and really bring it within a two-point game going into halftime. That was great to see us close the door. We went on like a, 13-7 run to to end the half which was just great to see us respond because we were kind of looking out of sorts there early and uh, we always talk about hot starts slow starts it was a slow one but they they started picking it up and you know Danny as you kind of alluded to you know we were able to get ahead and we we put them away they never really got back within reach which, which was awesome so those are kind of my key takeaways nothing too major but uh but definitely definitely a game that you're you're happy to see how it went I mean we were able to Keep them at bay and, and and get the W without you know much concern in the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Crutcher especially turning it on in the second half. I guess he you know we said the game was a tale of two halves. And it was definitely a tale of two halves for him. I think he only had two points um, in that first half. So thirteen in the second, which obviously will take will take any day to to get that many points in just twenty minutes. Um, usually means good good things for the whole team. Unless everyone else is sucking, so that really just I think kind of set the tone for that whole second half. That he, you know, he was just able to come out and flip the script, like you said, Thomas, um, from that first half. Because you know you just can't expect that to last for a whole game. If if it does, it's like a VCU result, like we saw, where everyone struggled for the whole game. So uh, I guess that was kind of one positive thing to look at going into halftime. You know, only down three points with Crutcher only scoring two. You got to think things are going to change in that second half, and they did. Um, and and great point about Ibu as well. I've always said he's he's probably my quote unquote favorite player on this team, just in how he plays. And I love shooters, always have. <laughs> um, going back to my like CYO basketball days, that's all I could do was shoot. Uh, so <laughs> just like to think I self-identify a little bit, a tiny bit uh, with those guys.
2: So. Um <laughs> You still got the shot sleeve, Danny? You uh you wanted those kids where you shot sleeve? Nope. Or Never had those. A... I had the rex
0: yeah. I had the rex specs though. Uh-huh. Oh man, you were you had the,
2: the rifle the rifle scopes going in you were dialed in out there. <laughs> the goggles, man. Had yeah. That, oh had yeah, dude. Goggles. Yeah. You got you gotta have that headband. Oh, you can't have people <laughs> knocking you out of your sights out, man. That's how you that's how you're killing them. I love
0: it. Uh yeah. Um, so uh yeah, definitely it'd be He's just one of those guys where we, – and we we'll get into this a little later, I think, with kind of how we view him compared to some other guys. Um, but he's one of those guys that I almost – I'm shocked every time he scores because I'm shocked that the defense allowed him to, if that makes sense. Because, like, he's not the type of guy who's going to be able to create his own shot for the most part, although he's shown that, I think, a little more lately than I was expecting, which is great because it just opens up his game even more. But he's so lethal as a shooter that I just – if I was a coach on for the other team, I'd be so mad at my guys for, for leaving him open. And it still seems like he gets open easier than he really should, uh, which is – I'll take it. Definitely take it. I, I think some of that scheme, it's good ball movement like we talked about. That's what we always need to see from this team. Um, but just – he's such a good shooter that I'm like thinking my lucky stars every time that he's taking an open three because he, he shouldn't be <laughs> if, the, if, if the opposing team is doing its job. But you know that's a great thing about having Crutcher too. Obviously, you, you can't focus on just one guy. So,
2: yep. And I think that uh, that was my second takeaway uh, from this game was the movement that this team has when when this team's moving, the offense is flowing. We seem to be doing really well. And uh, down the stretch of that of the Rhode Island game, it was just a lot of assists that you can look at uh, and see. You know, Ibbi when uh, Ibby had his dunk. It was an assist off of a Weaver when uh Amzil hit his three it was assist off of Jalen. And you could just go through the game notes and just see um how much this how much better I feel this team does when the ball's moving. And I think that leads directly to what you're saying, Danny. It gets Ibby open shots when everyone's when everyone's contributing, it's hard to focus in on one guy. And so uh when the whole offense is moving and everyone's getting those looks, somebody's gonna get open and Ibby is great at being able to hit his shots when um when his when he's open
1: definitely I mean, I think, and just to kind of wrap it up, you know, maybe he's not, you know, one of those, you know, super athletic guys, but, you know, he does find a way to get open and knock down the shots. And, and Dana, I know you were saying earlier, you know, he's not one of those guys that really appears like he can go create his own shot, you know, like kind of a crutcher does. But, you know, there are, there are times where, you know, he kind of dribbles and lulls you to sleep from three and he does a little step back or he just kind of pulls up in front of you and knocks down a three. And you're like, Oh man, that was huge. Like, you know, you know, you don't expect those to go in because they're contested shots, but I mean, he's got just, he's got a butter stroke and, and uh, you know, it's, it's just great to see, you know, when he plays well, when Crutcher plays well, we're, we're going to be in these games, but you know, they just can't have games like they did against VCU where, you know, there's, there's not getting anything and, and the team scores 40 points. Cause that's, there's a direct correlation with the scoring between Crutcher and he and Crutcher and, uh, and, you know, the end result. So definitely a good game against Rhode Island really proud to see them uh you know play a complete game you know fight through some adversity in the first half and uh and we move on good good week good 2-0 week
0: absolutely yeah I'll just throw in um just to shed more light on what Bobby was saying about just how he felt like um we had so many assists against Rhode Island and it's true we had 18 assists on 27 field goals made field goals so I'll take that ratio definitely any day um, and it's just born out of good ball movement. Like we've been saying, we needed to see more of that. And, uh, you know, maybe it's just ended up that we really did just need more time as a, as a whole team, as a staff, just to keep drilling in those, those principles. And cause like we said, we've said it this whole time about how fun they were to watch last year and how it just seemed like it was more than just having Obi, and, it was kind of frustrating early on this season to kind of second guess myself that, oh, man, maybe maybe having a top 10 draft pick really does just cure everything. And and I'm not trying to minimize them at all, but just you you could tell that we were just playing a really good system. And it's it's been great to see us kind of get back to that these last couple games. Absolutely. All right. Um, and then I do just want to say one more thing, kind of another shout out to Weaver. He had no turnovers, first of all, which is, which is great, especially with how much more he's been handling the ball, it seems, these last couple games. But then I think he had six assists as well, only five points, but um, just doing a great job of making better decisions.
1: Absolutely. And as a team overall, um, if you look at these last few games, I know I was kind of the annoying dude always pointing out too many turnovers, too many turnovers. And uh, I think they had 11 against St. Louis. And uh, I don't know what it was yesterday, uh, if you guys have that available, but it was was nine. nine. I mean, wow. I mean, it didn't seem like many. So, I mean, they've really, really made a nice change. You know, they've, I mean, they're, you know, they're paying attention to those details. You know, we can't turn the ball over, we can't afford to give teams another five six possessions you know and that's and that, that that's huge that's huge so especially against a team like slew with a bunch of big bodies who can push their weight around and and uh you know and roadie always gives us trouble too so awesome awesome to see
0: so yeah uh, two to one assist to turnover ratio as a team it's just huge i mean And like you said, especially against Rhode Island, where uh, I feel like they were kind of playing the type of defense where they were really trying to get in the passing lanes. They were switching a lot because they are really versatile, like at at least one through four. Um, But we were just really strong with the ball, I thought. That's kind of the main thing with this team. They just they got to be forceful with their movements, both on and off the ball. And I think they're just getting better and better and better that as the season goes on. All right. All righty. Well, that wraps up uh, these last two games. So always great to talk about a 2-0 week, especially, like you said, Thomas, against two you know, kind of premier programs the last few years in the A-10 in Slew and Rhode Island. So anytime you can have a week where you beat those two teams, doesn't matter what arena it's in, doesn't matter if there's fans there. Like you said, Thomas doesn't even really matter their record. They're both really good programs. Uh, So huge step in the right direction, I think, for this team. So Thomas, you got any uh brick or bucket yeah. statements for us here today? Yeah,
1: I got uh I got three here for us. So for those uh, new listeners out there, brick or bucket, I'm gonna read a statement and uh, Bobby and Danny are gonna address it as brick. They 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 agree with the statement or 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 I'm sorry, brick, they disagree with the statement or or bucket. Uh, that was brick. yeah. Speaking <laughs> of bricks, yeah, I just threw on there. So Sorry. So, I, I had to- so anyways, uh, kind of getting into the uh, first one, just something that stuck out is Zimmy. So um, is more of Zimmy and less minutes for Jordy making us a more dynamic offense? Or if going forward, you know, Zimmy were to play more minutes than Jordy, would that be, you know, more dynamic for us on offense, a better option maybe, because ultimately, Shamanga's playing more minutes than zimmy zimmy's getting about 18 a game shimanga's de- when he's out of foul trouble is definitely in that you know mid-20s range so is maybe flipping those two and playing zimmy more going to be more effective for us going forward
0: it's a great question and i'm saying um, it is. i mean i think sorry okay okay all good um I mean, I definitely—I don't think you can deny that it would make him make make us more dynamic to have Zimmy out there, just because he can shoot, he can stretch the floor, he can dribble a little bit. I mean, definitely more than Jordy, like on the on the perimeter at least. Uh, And that's no disrespect; it's just Jordy's Jordy's a post guy. Um, But whether it would be more effective, I think, still kind of remains to be seen. Uh, And again, it could be matchup based, so that's that's kind of a cop out for me. Yeah, um, where are you at? To say that. I'll say Bucket, just because he definitely could make us more dynamic. And the way the game's going, or way the way it has gone, it's already there uh, with how perimeter-oriented it is. Uh, I think more often than not, we'll need as much shooting as we can get out on the floor. And, you know, Jordy can maybe just come in, provide that toughness, more banging down low and grabbing the rebounds.
2: Yeah, um, I wanted to look ahead real quick just to see Uh, who we have coming up and we don't traditionally what I would call the more physical teams I don't see them on our schedule as much Uh, I mean UMass is traditionally one but I'm gonna say Bucket as well Um, I think I really like this kind of three-man rotation we have going in the front court with Jordy Amziel and Zimmy Um, I think it works well depending on the matchups like Danny said I think Jordy uh, it gives us more size and defense on the inside. And I think when Zimmy and uh, Amzil are in together, it gives us a more, we're able to stretch the the court more, but we do have a little bit more liabilities on defense. Uh, but I think getting that rotation a little bit more balanced, having Zimmy play more in the future will be beneficial for this team. So I'm going to say Bucket. And then I just, I got to say the the forgotten guy
0: in this discussion is Sissoko, kind of unfortunately, um, because He just, I feel like we've talked about him so much already and uh, he's just not really showing up in the stat sheet, I guess is the main thing and you have to eventually, but I feel bad for him because I swear and I know we've texted about this before, but I can't remember if I brought it up on the podcast. He gets called for the softest fouls, I swear. And like, I don't think he's fouling. I really don't. And it's always defensively. He's got his hands straight up. He's moving his feet. I don't really think he's like coming down with his arms but he'll he'll still get called for fouls like each time his guy goes up it's the it's the strangest thing it's happened in a few games where and I'm like trying not to be biased but it just seems like he's really not doing anything wrong and he's still getting these weird fouls called on him it's just it's strange
1: yeah and I think, you know, to bring that into this discussion, too, I just think when you look at all of these big guys, they're all just limited in some capacity, right? Zimmy's a little bit more offense, a little, not not nearly as strong as Shimanga who's better on the boards and better maybe on defense. And then, you know, Sissoko, he's clearly limited on the offense and hasn't quite figured out, you know, how to work his way around the rim, that finesse, that offensive skill, but huge and, and can cover a lot of ground. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. He gets called for a lot. Of a lot of BS stuff, but I think maybe that's just because he's so big and it's just you know, he is. I mean, he's 6'9, 250, he's huge. So, um, you know, when a guard runs into that guy, it's like it's a brick wall, maybe it just looks a little bit more violent, or I don't know what it is. You're right, though. I mean, he certainly doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. So, um, overall, I mean, I'm gonna go bucket on this statement. I've always been, um, you know, kind of against Zimmy just cause I, I just you, wrong. And, you know, but as he plays more, as he plays more, he's gotten more comfortable. And, I think going down the stretch in some of these big games, we're going to need to get the ball in somebody's hands on offense, who's a big guy who can try to make a play. And I don't know that he's the best playmaker, but like you said, at least he can put it on the deck if he gets it when they're doubling Jalen off a screen, something like that to kind of open it up. Um, And he's not afraid to take a three, you know, which is good. Even if he's maybe, he could be over four one game, he could be four for four the next game, but he's at least spreading the floor. So I certainly think, You know, you don't want to take Jordy completely out of the equation by no means would I say that because, you know, he's certainly a key part against some of these bigger guys, especially in the A-10 that you run into down low. But, um, you know, I guess I'm getting more on the Zimmy train. You know, we need to have a little bit more offense from other guys. And, uh, you know, he's he's been able to play decently this week. So it's just positive to see that and kind of getting into my second one here. um, Weaver's inability to shoot the three is concerning going, you know, into our last, you know, games here in the A10 and, and especially to try to make a run in the A10 tournament to get get to the dance.
0: Bobby, you want to take this one first
2: or are you, yep. you still think I'll, I'll take it. Um my, my my split second reaction is a brick. Uh, while I would love us to have five dudes that can shoot the three, uh as everybody would want, I think we do have three guys that can decently shoot it. obviously got crutcher and ibby as your backcourt members but that i think Amzil is able to hit threes pretty regularly to give us that third threat and i like that it actually kind of comes from what where he plays as men's would be the front court position so he's able to kind of stretch the court and that means um would i'd like to see him obviously be a better three-point shooter absolutely i was texting you guys about it is uh he'll be wide open and just because of the color of the jerseys and the camera angle on the TV, I'll think it's Ibby. And I'm like, man, how did Ibby get that open? He's wide open. And then I'll see the shot. And I'm like, oh, that's Weaver. And it just clanks. And you're like, that's why. All right. That's why that guy's so wide open. But I've had it happen to me like multiple times just based on the look and how the camera is and everything, watching from home. Um, but, yeah, I think that the three people we do have, Jalen, Ibby, and will uh, give us enough of a threat from the three-point line that he's able to be that Drive and dish or drive and dunk kind of guy, um, and it's won't won't burn us as much um, here. Go, moving down the second half of the 8-10 schedule,
0: I would agree. I'd call it a brick as well. Um, and I, you, you kind of made all my points to be honest. It's really, it's going to come down to I guess scouting, um, <laughs> where you know obviously as we get further in this into the season, teams are they're going to know that he's definitely not our best three point shooter, and they'll they'll sag off him. But I honestly think he's shown that he's a good enough athlete. He's big enough, especially in the A-10, where he's still able to get through guys. He's got a nice crossover. He's made quite a few times the last couple games where where he'll go to his left. um, And the defender might not really be expecting it, even though he is left-handed. Pretty sure, right? He's a lefty. Weaver. Um, So maybe that hasn't quite made it onto the scouting report yet um, to not let him get to his left hand. but. He's, he's just athletic and fast enough, I think, that he'll be able to take his guy off the dribble more often than not. So even if they're not respecting his three-point shot, he's still able to to make an impact.
1: Yeah, and I think you could go either way on this one. I don't maybe concerning is, is you know, a key word there where I, I don't know if it's necessarily concerning and you could say brick because, you know, he has the ability to still slash and get in the paint and get guys involved, you know, the six assists that he has. He does find guys. I mean he he is very good at that. So even if he is limited to shoot the three, he's still he's still finding ways to make plays. And uh, you know, and then again we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, you know, he's not necessarily a focal point like like Ibby and Crutcher are. You know, you hope. By next year, you know, he comes around and he can, you know, hopefully develop the three a little bit because he's certainly going to be able to knock it down. But I do think you could say Bucket because, you know, when you're playing these teams like, you know, VCU, like Richmond coming up, like, you know, uh, SLU, um, you know, all these big boys in the A-10 that, that give us problems and they really focus in on guys like Ibby and Crutcher. And if they leave Weaver and he knocks down a couple threes, then it's going to it's going to open things up. And uh, so it's it's almost like he's not Kyle Davis bad, right? When you, when he was shooting the three, you know, love Kyle Davis, great defense. I, uh, yeah. I do not want to hate on that guy again. I know you boys love him, and I
0: love him. Too. Yeah, I will not tolerate any Kyle Davis slander. No way. <laughs> but, uh,
1: you know, it was always great in those games when Kyle Davis did knock down a three. You don't yeah. expect it, and all of a sudden you're like, oh heck yeah, like it's huge. So I hope, hopefully, going down the stretch, he can knock down a few for us. But uh, you know. We'll take what we can get from him he's 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 obviously being a still a good piece, so uh, not to, I'm so oh, sorry man. to hate on your boys
0: yeah that that took me back. I just remember uh, Christian and me just we had that defensive player of the year campaign going for him. never really caught on. oh well.
1: Yeah, he was every bit of that. I mean, just I mean he was awesome. He was a great great player at UD for us and especially on the defense and he was a perfect fit for that for that team too. so um, okay kind of my last statement oh go ahead Bobby you had
2: something to add there Uh, all I was gonna add is that as great as I'm a huge Kyle Davis fan and uh just through personal life uh journeys uh Kyle Davis is a thousand times the person the human being um that he is the basketball player and that's not to take anything away from his basketball ability he's one of my favorite basketball players but uh through my life I've learned that Kyle Davis is one of the top human beings out there
1: yeah and I think I Amen. think that goes back to – he gave you a nice shout-out on Twitter this past summer, right? Isn't that right? Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, during the, during during the TBT. Out. Yep, and then represented the uh, Jagelski Strong and the D, uh, TBT. So I can't say anything. I will never hate on Kyle Davis. Yeah, and that just really
1: gets into the UD community. Not to get outside of basketball, but, I mean – Yes, it's just sure. such a tight-knit group and uh, you know it's why we do this and we stay connected and it's just you know basketball is what it all revolves around but you know there's so much more important you know relationships and those sorts of things outside of basketball that you know but it all still focuses around Dayton
2: so uh, exactly but the most important thing right now is that's Bucket. That's what you, what's the I last didn't one I mean to kind of bring
1: you guys to tears I'm sorry I'm <laughs> no, you almost did, man. Uh, all right. So my final brick or bucket statement here is our transition offense is going to be the key going forward to compete in the A-10.
0: I would agree. I'll take it maybe a little different direction, though. It doesn't necessarily have to be transition offense, but just quick offense. I think we that was kind of a staple of last year where we made a point, I feel like, to even on made baskets – where, you know, Obi would just do some rim running and we we'd get an easy bucket on the other end. Um, so it kind of feeds into transition offense where, where wherever we see a hole or, or a place to attack, we, we've got to do it. Because I think still I'm worried about our half court offense getting bogged down. Um, so I, I would definitely agree with that. That's something I've been looking at lately. Um, you know, and you know me, I love like half court, good sets, all that jazz, you know, five pass passes before a shot like in Hoosiers, but at the same time, your best offense is your best offense. So if it's if it's transition, if it's quick, I'm good with that.
2: Yep. Um I don't know if I count it as a bucket. I think I'll count it as a bucket because I think getting easy transition offense is starts on the defense. If you're able to play good defense, you're getting into transition a lot easier. Um so I'll say bucket on that because i think if we play good defense and we get into that transition that makes a harder life in the A10 a lot easier than like danny said trying to set up a half court offense and i think we have some good offensive sets but i do think danny that you made a great point a couple episodes ago that i've been following ever since that when people pressure us with the ball we just still have not figured out exactly how to do that i think we've gotten better but i think it's still a point of concern for this team so easy transition Offense would be huge for us moving forward in the A10.
1: Yeah, and you guys touched on exactly where I was going to go with that. Is you know sometimes we we just seem to stall on the you know on the half court uh, offense. And uh, what I noticed yesterday, especially when we were kind of making our push back in the Rhode Island game, uh, and especially when you you know we were getting a lot of misses from Slew from three, we were able to get the ball out in transition, and they can't account for everybody. You know, and you get mismatches and. And, you know, you get be a quick three or Crutcher finds his ability to, you know, get in the paint and, and get a layup or a floater. And it's just those things when you can score that quickly, too. Like I said, when we score 70 plus points, we're five and oh, as as much as we can push the pace and, and get get ourselves good looks is, I think, going to be huge going down the stretch. Because when you're facing the VCUs and, and the teams that can really pressure you in the half court, we struggle, We should we do. And it's just one of our limitations. So, um so definitely just thought that was an interesting point and, and And you guys definitely hit on exactly where I was going with that. So before we kind of wrap up here, um, just for our listeners, to go along with this brick or bucket statement and it's, it's not necessarily a statement this time is there's been some tech circulating amongst us three. Just about all these guys that we've had come transfer in over the years and and we just have kind of compared them and when I say guys who have transferred in over the years playing that kind of two three role uh, for the flyers so a um, couple names came to mind and and I just kind of wanted to get Danny and Bobby's take on on who who their favorite is and uh, and so of these three we have Ibby he obviously transferred from Michigan. Um, we have Seibert who, you know, back, back when we were in school was, was the man. And, um, early on like when we were freshmen, sophomores, and that's of course, when we made the big run in, in 13 to the elite eight. Um, so Jordan Seibert came from Ohio state and, uh, he's a Cincy born guy. And then, um, and then, and then Charles Cook, who came from James Madison, who spent a couple years and he was kind of our junior senior year. Is that right? So of those three guys, um, you know, obviously all great talents, um, all, all decent shooters, um, but also different in their own little ways, you know, who, who's your favorite of those three?
0: I got to pick Seibert, um, for a couple of reasons. I think first of all, it's just kind of, it's, picking with my heart just because like you said he he does kind of represent along with obviously scoochie and kyle davis and and pollard and all those guys uh he represents just kind of the i think the height of archie miller's tenure both with the Elite eight run and then the the first four game against boise state where cyber hit that the game winning three was was just incredible i was lucky enough to to be in the building um by far the loudest I've ever heard UD Arena. I
1: second that. Uh, so I second just, that. Same.
0: Yeah, were were you I there? Was there? I mean I was I oh, was yeah, in those leagues,
1: but I was like, this is yeah. unbelievable.
0: It was yeah, it was just insane. So he just he represents you know my fondest memories definitely from school with, with the Flyers and just in general, even since graduating. He uh and he, was, he was a hell of a player too. And he had all that hype, you know, coming from Ohio State. Top 50 recruit out of high school, local kid. Um, And it all just kind of came together for him at UD. So I'll go Cybert.
2: Yeah. Uh, You you started talking about that because I was going to go one direction. You started talking about that. And it it makes it so hard not to pick Cybert. And the fun thing about you guys were saying you were both at that that game against Boise State. I was working that game uh, at UD Arena. So we were all there. All right. (laughs) Yeah. And I I just remember like, I had my press badge and I was in my suit and I was like, you know, gotta be unbiased, gotta be unbiased (laughs) here. Uh, I remember that game, you know, coming down to the wild wire and being like, I gotta, I gotta sneak off. So I like stood in like behind one of the handicapped sections wall to my back and, I just remember like fist pumping, fist pumping, be like, gotta leave it cool, gotta be cool. And then I like look down and I can see my boss doing the exact same thing, like down in the corner, just like, yes, yes. So I was good like, movie. all right, I'm good. But Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you guys, it was just electric in there, especially um, for it to be a quote unquote neutral site game. You know, I feel bad for a Boise State, but right. God. Uh, uh, but you know, I, the more I think about it, the it, the closer it is between Ibby and Cybert. Yeah. Um, I do think that Ibby, he's just such a pure shooter. You don't hear anything about like his character. I don't feel like he hangs his head. He just goes out there, he's even keel, and he plays so well. And um, I think he's shown a little bit more lately about his athleticism. And I I think I'll still go with Cybert, though, just because, Danny, you brought up that Boise State game. And then to start that season – or I'm sorry, that wasn't that season. It was the start of the – elite eight one against IPFW. Yep. His first game, right? Yeah. yeah. And hit it. Oh, just that final sequence of Kyle Davis stealing the ball and getting it to him and him hitting that three. Oh, that was well. And, and, and
0: hell we don't, we definitely don't have that elite eight run. If he doesn't make that shot, like if we would have lost to IPFW to start the season. I mean, there's no way we would have gotten an at large. I don't think so. I mean, we barely, we, well, we were 11 seed as it is that year. So, yep. We um, were beat Ohio State in the first round. Yeah. That was huge. Um, that whole season was was magical. Yeah, them. I mean, start
1: to finish. And I just think the argument these guys are all you know really similar. To be honest with you, uh, I mean. Cybert was obviously the first to come through and he was a guy who could he was known to be a really good shooter I actually he played in the uh same conference of, of my high school so I got to watch him kind of grow up and in, in front of our eyes and, and and then we were like oh wow this guy's going to Ohio State and then just couldn't get the minutes there and it just and then comes to Dayton and, and shows out and you know it got gets to beat his former team and makes the Elite Eight run like you know it's it's hard not to go with him but then at the same time I loved Charles Cook, Charles Cook. I mean he was awesome. And I thought he was you know an NBA guy like I'm not saying high end but I was like I'm kind of su- su- surprised that none of these guys have really I mean obviously it'd be um, you know the future will tell but um, I'm just surprised that Cybert and, and Charles, Charles Cook just never got a real you know shot and you know of course you can go over and make plenty of money overseas but uh, you know having those guys you know for four straight years was uh, was awesome and and when Cybert left yeah. Charles Cook picked up kind of right where he left off and really you know offensive minded Guy could shoot the three and was streaky at times shooting three, but I mean I think he still shot it pretty good from three, and he he could also slash and really get inside. And uh, he was obviously a great running mate with uh, Scoochie Smith. So, and then you know we we talk about Ibby all the time. I mean he's probably the best shooter of them all. So um maybe not quite the slasher, you know the guy who's you know as athletic as maybe those other two. But uh, I mean it just speaks to you know how many great players are, you know, are out there, you know, at big programs that just haven't gotten their chance and come to UD. I mean, cause we can beat those teams with, with you guys, with those guys. And we've shown that. And, uh, you know, it's awesome that, you know, we've been able to, you know, consistently have that over the, probably the last 10 years. So, um, yeah, I just thought those were circulating texts and had to bring it into the podcast, you know, as a little argument, but, yeah. uh, you know, definitely speaks to just, that two guard at Dayton, you know, coming from these big programs has always, you know, been a big piece. So.
0: Yeah, no, it's a great point. Um, and I I fully admit that this is not the most fair argument against Cook for me, but just personally, as much as Cybert represents, like kind of the height of Archie's tenure, Cook, and just, and I hate to pin it all on him because it's really not fair, but those two teams that he was on, just did not reach their potential I don't think had some really frustrating losses in March obviously you know that Syracuse game which I mean could do a whole podcast on like how unfair that matchup was uh, Syracuse ended up going to the final four but again it's not fair to him but I just think um, those teams he was on just did not reach their potential but can't take away from how, how good of a player he was just on pure talent and and he showed it a lot at UD he was he was really good
1: I mean, you have to give him a little bit of credit, though, too. I mean, I agree. Certainly didn't reach your potential, and we were starving for another elite eight run, of course. But it's hard, and you just never know in the tournament what you're going to get, and it's a math thing. And th- we we kind of had a great we had a great season. We got put into a playing game. Or uh, hold on, what, what was the year where we beat Providence in, in the regular round? Was that was that maybe I'm thinking of?
0: Different- it was junior year. So um... yeah, so that was
1: Charles Cook. That was Charles Cook. Yeah, I, because I thought Cyber. Providence?
0: No, that uh, was after no. we beat Boise State. It was that same. It was that same tournament. We beat Boise State, and then we went to Columbus and beat Providence
2: because they had Chris right. Dunn and uh, Kyle Davis locked him down. Chris Dunn was the look, player of the year. And campaign. they had Dante Hinton,
1: Hinton too, who was good. Like yeah. I remember that, but we ran into Buddy Hield's team. That was the pro- – and yeah. we were up with, like, five minutes to go, and we kind of blew it. But I thought maybe that mm-hmm. was a Charles Cook year, but maybe I'm just mixing things up. But, uh, but you know, like I said, I mean, going back to my point, though, is it's hard when you get in the tournament. You know, there's a lot of teams who don't ultimately reach their potential because, you know, they get upset in, in that tournament. And uh, we certainly were, were, uh, were the underdog in, in a lot of those years. So –
0: yeah, I'm trying to look up just to make sure. I can't remember if they overlapped by a year. I I don't think they did. Him, I think private. he sat
2: out the year. Is that his senior cyber, year. Cyber senior year, yeah, yeah. You bring up Ladante Hinton. He was a he was a UD commit. Was he? Not sure. that's Just a fun fact. yeah he was in the year that Brian Gregory left for Georgia Tech. He decommitted and went to Providence, but he was committed to the University of Dayton. Just a. Since you threw the name right. out there, uh, I gotta throw. He was a good player. There. He was I, remember, good. I remember he he killed Butler those first couple of years in the Big
0: East. I remember. So, yeah, no, definitely, lots of intertwining threads in college basketball, especially in the Midwest. Seems like everyone everyone is connected somehow. Um, all right, I think this has been a great, great pod, guys. Um, I'm just gonna look ahead really quickly here to next week. Got just. Two games coming up. Uh, we're at Duquesne on Tuesday. I think I saw Duquesne is unveiling a new arena. I think it's done. I've seen some pictures and videos, um, but I can't remember for sure if they're actually going to play in it on Tuesday, but I guess we'll find out. That's a 9 p.m. start on ESPNU. we got three games coming up in a row on ESPN Networks, which, you know, pretty good for the national brand, got to say. Um, so at Duquesne on Tuesday, and then we're back home with Richmond on Friday. February 5th at seven o'clock on ESPN two. So that's going to be quite a big game. I know they just slew. We played slew and then they had another postponement. They were supposed to play Richmond over the weekend. And that got postponed because of, I guess, slew's medical staff. I don't even know if there were like actually any positive tests or something, but so that was kind of weird to see, but just fingers crossed that we get that game in against the spiders. Um, And I feel like I've been saying it for a while, maybe unfairly, but this week's going to be huge, and it really could. If we go 2-0, I might be naive enough to start dreaming about somehow squeaking out an at-large bid, or at least first four. I, I, we'll just we'll have to see. We just got to keep it going, got to keep the momentum going, and we'll just see where it leaves us at the end of the season. We've been
1: at this point before, and, uh, you know, where we've, we, we seem like we're ascending and we're, you know, we're getting there. And then all of a sudden we have that, you know, downfall game. So hopefully uh, we continue the momentum and uh, get a couple of W's this week because uh, the record starts looking a lot better at 12 and four than it did at, what were we, eight and four? So, um, so anyways, we'll see what happens. Looking forward to watching yep. there A lot of big games coming up.
0: Absolutely. That was a good point because I felt like. All year we've gone we've done like one step up, two steps back, that kind of thing where right when we're feeling good about ourselves, we go lay an egg. So these last two games I feel like have been two big steps forward and let's just keep it going. You guys got anything else? You good?
2: I'm good. That's go flyers. Right. All right, ahead, have,
0: yeah. have a great rest of your Sunday, guys. All right, guys. Go flyers. <music> you know my brother you know my.